Welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? Hello, this is the Past in the Pending podcast. I am your host, Adam Sexton. This is the podcast where a guest and I discuss the various entertainment options we've had or are fond of, both new and old, except for when that doesn't happen, in which case I'm by myself recording a solo podcast because I'm so lonely. <laughs> Today's episode is a special occasion for not only uh, is this podcast uh, celebrating its like its first year of uh, its anniversary or whatever you want to call it but it's also because for the first time in like a handful of months i actually have a guest to converse with so when it comes to banter it's always best to have someone else to talk to and for today's episode that someone is uh, a man who i've known for almost 15 years now and yet it's been less than 10 years since i've had an actual conversation with him aside from social media exchanges no, no bad blood between us just the way that life tends to split people apart when they go on to bigger and better things and today's guest has done just that and i'm speaking to a bona fide radio personality an honest goodness dj which is a long way from the guy who i used to help cut up slabs of meat for sale during college uh so ladies and gentlemen i present justin pettit justin thank you for coming on to the show man oh my pleasure i'm glad to be here adam i'm sure you appreciate it and, and yeah we have come a long ways from the slabs of meat that's for sure <laughs> the slabs of meat People are thinking, probably gonna think we're joking we are not joking we were bona fide butchers ladies and gentlemen no you had to you had to do the dirty stuff to help you out through college or whatever i mean you weren't attending college at that point were you no i had i, w- I was raising a family but uh I, w- I had just about started you know that's the kind of job that forces you to want to go to college uh, if, if you're not in college you're just, i can't do this anymore but i don't there's some guys that can handle it not me man and i, I don't think it was you either so yeah during my time in college you know you you uh, move to another town, you lose track with your high school friends, so basically you're put in a position where you have to make new friends, and thankfully, someone like uh, you was along, because otherwise I was just working with a bunch of, uh, uh, not boring old people, but people who are more committed to the job. I mean, there were a couple of people who were kindred spirits in certain in certain ways, but uh, someone to actually kind of goof off, but to actually do the job in an effective manner, uh, that was uh, something that made the job just easier to take. So, yeah, uh, I figured that for both of us. You know, we're pretty much the same age, and we're we're stuck with a bunch of, of older people. Just, <laughs> exactly right. And so, 
you have to make it fun because that job would would you know just depress the the heck out of you. So you had to make it. But like you said, we still got the job done, but we just had fun with it. And you know, once once uh, me and you left, I think that place went uh, down the down the toilet. So. Well, thankfully, you had the good sense to get out while you still could, and I was there for like maybe three more months. I believe I quit in November of like 2003, right around the time where I finished all my college courses. And I said, "Man, I just don't need this anymore." I'm about when I'm done with college. I'm for some reason I felt the need to get out of Fayetteville and go back to uh, Batesville or near that part where my family was, and I don't know if it was a good decision or not because within like the next year and a half or so I was right back in Fayetteville and uh, living with my brother and then living with myself and uh, uh, that's where I'm at today I uh, I think I'm a bigger fan I was a bigger fan of Fayetteville than I was letting on Fayetteville's a great town man I, I miss it some days you know I'm back over here in, in small town USA Oklahoma but Fayetteville is it's almost outgrown its area, though. You know what I mean? There's too many people almost, but it's a great right. place, uh, and uh, I do miss it sometimes. There's a lot of stuff, and it seems like since I left uh, about a year and a half ago, there's more stuff popping up. You guys are getting a Whataburger now, and you get all that, <laughs> all that good stuff, and you know, there's Domino's Pizza on every corner, and I lived in Farmington the last year I was there, and there was nothing in Farmington. I drive by the day, they got new Walmarts going up everywhere. They got, mm-hmm. like I said, pizza places. So good, good riddance to, to to Farmington, I guess. I don't. Know. I'm still kind of too scared to go into the Whataburger in uh, Fayetteville. It's still a heavily trafficked uh, place in town. I can imagine. I I can only relate to it when they opened the Krispy Kreme donuts up in Bentonville around <laughs> thousand five or six, and yeah. they had police, you know, like escorting people in and and that went on for months. And now the place is barely barely open. So I mean, it just shows you that these things go in fads, you know, and Whataburger, which is weird to me because Whataburger is all over the place in, when you get out of Arkansas. So yes. I, don't, I don't understand that, but okay, whatever. Yeah, uh, my brother and I, we went to, uh, within the past five or six years, we went to a couple of concerts in uh, Oklahoma City, both at the Box Center and Tulsa. I don't know if you've ever went to any shows there. Oh, yeah, but I've been to plenty there. Uh, I think we saw... Uh, the Foo Fighters there one year, and then we saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers there in another, and we would always stop at the nearest Whataburger uh, yeah. before we would go into the show. So it, it's understandably a desirable place, but uh, I can still remember. And I don't, you were you probably and like I said, you go to Fayetteville every week or so to uh, pick up your kid, and yeah. uh, so you may have seen like the lines congregating around. They had to, like you said. Uh, they had to redirect traffic. They still got the little road cones to direct people through the drive-through, or if they're crazy enough to actually dine in there. And they're doing that same thing with the Raising Cane's Chicken place uh, on the other side of town, which is in a horrible location, by the way. It That's is old real estate, and plus they're building that Whole Foods. But then we're getting on the the. Uh, demographics of Fayetteville, Arkansas here, but guys, you got to understand something. There's just not a lot of room in Fayetteville left, <laughs> so they're just building stuff where they can, and where they built this Raising Cane used to be, I think it was a title company or something like that, and it's in a horrible, horrible, they couldn't have picked a worse location for it, and I can see the traffic snarls right now. I mean, you're right, it's going to be, is it open yet? Is, is it opened up? Yeah, it's, it's been open for, I want to say, th- 
almost a month now, and I went there with my brother last weekend, and it was on a Sunday afternoon around 5 or so. The the traffic wasn't that bad, but I swear there's probably only like 15 parking spots, or it seems that way. Yeah, it's it's a horrible spot. Yeah, it's it's a horrible spot, and I can remember the the buildup and excitement to that place. Like, there was, like, for the grand opening on the Facebook page, like, some... 1500 people were planning on going i'm like no i need to stay away from there for like at least three or four weeks it's just chicken and there's a <laughs> billion chicken tender places in favor you got slims you got zaxby i mean there's uh foghorns they're all over the place so it's just chicken guys popeyes is down there i mean well, we don't even have, we have a charlie's chicken here in salsa and it's not even chicken strips it's just chicken so right and it didn't help that I uh, was working with uh, some coworkers, some younger uh, teenage teenagers who were raving to raving to me about because they've one of them is uh, played baseball in high school and was particularly good at it. So he's been going around country doing uh, doing uh, uh, like all star events or exhibition yeah. games across the country. So he's been able to dine in at certain places and he was just raving to me about. It. I'm like, okay, I'll go at some particular point but right now everyone in Fable is going to be uh, a freak about this every time a new restaurant opens and I need to maintain my distance yeah and the prices on this chicken is just out of control too I mean and it's not even healthy you know normally it's the healthy stuff that's really mm-hmm. expensive but it's like deep fried chicken tenders with <laughs> you know the syrupy sauce that goes with it. it it's just not good for you at all and it's really expensive so I'm weird. I do not wait on food. I mean, unless we're going to like me and my wife are at a really nice restaurant and I know there's going to be a wait. If we go to like Chili's or something, there's a 20 minute wait. Forget it. I'm going somewhere else. I'm not waiting. I'm too old. I'm too cranky. Because normally when they tell you 10, 15 minutes, it turns into an hour. So just be honest. Say, hey, man, it's going to be an hour. Don't tell me 10 or 15 minutes, you know. You're going to get me on a rant here. So I'm going to back it down. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, Well, let's let's. redirected into something that's a little bit more specific about today's episode um talk for a little bit about uh what you do like the the radio station where you work at and what kind of what kind of a radio station it is basically i work for the mix 105.1 and we're just that we're a mixed format station which is very rare we play rock classic rock country uh you name it we don't play any rap music we try to keep it kind of clean and and that's kind of our motto you know hometown radio we like it for you know the kids if you got kids which i do now where the kids can listen to it we allow a little bit of cuss words but you know we're not gonna you know have f-bombs and things like that but you know classic rock i i run the 11 to 5 shift so i'm in charge of of keeping people in a good mood all day so my shift's a little different i play i tend to play a little more rock than country and if i do play country it's you know upbeat i don't play boohooey whiny stuff i just, I just don't I've, I've told them that from the beginning and and they have agreed with that that, I, that you know let's not do that let's keep people in a good mood and we have very good ratings the station's only been around two years uh the two years last month and we have there's 34 markets in in fort smith which is the market we're in and we're number four already so we are we're doing very good and like I was telling you before we went on the air, we're, we're based in Salisaw, Oklahoma, which is the county seat of Sequoia County. And if there's a if there's an election, if there's anything like that, we're basically the newspaper via airwaves. So if there's something going on in Sequoia County, we're covering it. And so we're not just music. So we kind of do it all. But it's but me, you know, like I said, 
I have a sports background, so I'm, we got high school football starting up this coming week. So basically, if it's done on a radio station, I'm helping out with it. I'm still kind of the new guy, still trying to fit in, but everybody here is, is wonderful and uh, it, it's been awesome. It's pretty cool to be able to work on the on the radio for a living, I got to tell you. I really haven't heard of a radio station that does something like does something like you know both it's it's what is it recent or classic rock or uh, all of it all of it I, I, I mean we play everything you know we play bob seger we play ozzy we play uh, even some of the, the newer rock stuff uh, you know like uh, x ambassadors imagine dragons that's stuff that's popular now that now i'm not really into i'm not gonna lie to you but it is you know it is is popular and you know we 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 have something about 1200 songs that we keep in rotation your normal station will have three or four hundred songs so we're way up there we try not to repeat but uh, when they first started this and told people that they were going to have a mixed format they told them oh you're stupid you will never work and it's worked you know wonders and to be perfectly honest with you there's other stations out there that have begun to kind of go to that to that you know you've got your rock stations that are throwing a country song in here or you know your pop station is throwing in a rock song so they know what's happening i mean because it really fits me to to a T. Because while I am probably a rock guy, I'm a, I'm a metalhead by you know by trade. Yes. But as you know, between me and you and our conversations, I, I can listen to everything from James Taylor to Garth Brooks to Dwight Yoakam to you know as long as it's good music, I'm going to listen to it. So it fits me. So there may be some days I come in here and I don't you know I'm in a rocking mood. I'll play all rock music and then there, I may not be and I'll play a little more country. So. It really fits my style, and I think that's pretty awesome. Is the country music you play, is that more recent stuff, or do you do the old stuff? What What's the mix there? I try to play more of the old stuff just because I'm not real familiar with the newer country, but it, the newer country is real popular, too. You know, I have a request line. We actually have a text line, so if, if people don't even have to call in the station anymore, they just text us what mm-hmm. song they want to hear. pops up on my computer screen, and I'll play it. You know, you got a lot of the, you know, the Luke Bryans and the you know, Florida Georgia line stuff. I have no, I have no desire to listen to. I don't but, like. Like I said, uh, my audience, some of them do, and that's normally, you know, in between three and five when kids get out of school. Your younger kids want to hear that, mm-hmm. but during usually during my time, it's you know, I play a lot of Dwight Yoakam, a lot of Willie Nelson, and and you know, Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, things like more the outlaw country type stuff. Hank, yeah. Hank, yeah. Things like that, but every once in a while you'll you'll get a Florida Georgia line out of me, but not very often. <laughs> Against your will, very much so. Um, this is not the only radio station that you worked at. What was your previous gig? I worked for Cumulus Broadcasting in in Fayetteville, and we actually operated seven different stations. I primarily worked on ninety two one The Ticket, which was a sports station, but I did have. Some guest work on the Keg 98.3, which everyone is familiar with, Classic Rock 98.3. Mm-hmm. And then on 105.7, which is the pop station. Didn't do a lot over there. Did more production commercials and things. And then News Talk 1030, which is, you know, just like it says, it's a News Talk station. We did a lot of stuff over there. And, and we did a lot with Northwest Arkansas Naturals, which is the minor league baseball team up there. Everyone has fun with that and we did some broadcasts with them and of course covering anything Razorback we covered it but that's kind of how I got started I, I thought I wanted to do sports you know throughout my career maybe I'll get back to it eventually but right now I'm burnt out I mean you cover nothing but sports for four years and you think it sounds like a lot of fun it's not <laughs> I mean it's you're constantly having to watch I mean 
nothing against baseball, but when you're having to watch every baseball game every night just so you can talk about it the next day, it, you get burnout real quick. Right. Um, now, on your radio show, you've and I've also seen this through your Facebook page, you've done a lot of, uh, I mean, and it's not, it's very common for radio stations to do this where you host like live events or charities or stuff like that. What's some of the stuff you've done? Uh, we, let's see, there's lots of stuff we've done. We've got to go to uh, water parks. Uh, we've done baseball games. We have a, a almost like a county fair type thing here in Sequoia, in Southall called Diamond Days. And it's the, you know, it's right after school's let out. It's a big deal. You know, there's 20, 30,000 people there. You know, over a three, two or three day span, we do that. And any kind of of any kind of local, especially if it involves schools, things like that, we're always out. You know, we'll go out for a couple hours, just broadcast live, tell people to come out. But you know, probably the coolest thing, uh, you know, you know, for me, there was you know a couple of rock shows we've done. Um, I've you know brought a guy named Eddie Money out, who's you know not real big anymore, but you know it was pretty cool to meet and hang out with. And then a country guy named Mark Chestnut. Mm-hmm. that I've been able to hang out with and talk to and interview and, and bring back on stage. But I also host a show called County Talk at 2. That's exactly what it sounds like. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 o'clock, I interview somebody and for 15, 20 minutes, and we broadcast it on the air. I've interviewed everybody from you know singers to just last week, I interviewed a Oklahoma state senator who was in Israel and talked to him for about 30 minutes. So... Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that's involved with this game. Let's just finally just jump into our entertainment topics, and we'll we'll kind of come back to uh, other life-related stuff in sure, the meantime. Sure. Um, and let's start with, let's say, movies. And uh, what I generally do is just uh, hand it over to you, uh, and you give me, like, your... Uh, topic for the past and then i'll give mine and then we'll do the future or the the recent like the president or the most recent pick so uh what is your pick for a uh for a movie from the past well i have a i had a you know i was mulling over this because most of the movies i like are the older ones and i think you probably know where i'm going to go with so my was just one of my favorite favorite movies of all time that's kind of a cult classic a lot of people know about it a lot of people don't it's actually uh, called The Burbs from 1988, starring <laughs> one guy named uh, Tom Hanks, a, a young actor named Tom Hanks. And yeah. this movie, uh, the people that have watched it, you either love it or you hate it. But we'll give you a heads up. It's currently on Netflix right now. You can watch it if, if you've never seen it before. So basically the premise is Tom Hanks and his neighbor, who is Bruce Dern. Of course, everybody knows Bruce Dern, who was just in Nebraska and was nominated uh, for an Academy Award, award there. So Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern, and now the late Rick Dukeman, who just passed away recently, yeah. and their other neighbor, Corey Feldman, they all think these that these new neighbors that moved in are basically Satanists and are trying to kill everyone. <laughs> this is because they don't talk to anybody. They move in. They're there for like a couple of months. They haven't done anything to their house. And then down the street, this old man, their old man named Walter, disappears, and they are just convinced that these people murdered this old man in some kind of satanic ritual. It's all based around this. And they come up with half-cocked theories, and they're spying on them. And uh, I forgot to mention that Bruce Dern is actually plays an ex-army guy in here, so he's got all these gadgets to you know, tap fire, you know, phone lines and, and night vision goggles. So <laughs> basically, they're spying on their neighbors who turn out to have not killed the old man, but 
are pretty shady, but it's yeah. it's uh, it's funny. It's got a lot of dark humor, a lot of dry humor, and like I said, most people that I run into either love it or they hate it. But like I said, it was released in I think 1988. Uh, Joe Dante was the director on it, and it, it's it's just great. It, it's it's yeah, I think it's funny. It's very dark. If you if you know if you don't like uh you know satanic comedy then you probably don't want to check it out but i would highly recommend like i said it's actually back on netflix it it pops up and disappears every once in a while so i don't know what that's about but i did actually watch it just the other night again on netflix i couldn't sleep so i i popped it on but the burbs is is definitely you know from the past for me it's hard for me to say that because i can remember when that movie came out and to put it in the past category is is kind of uh, disheartening almost well, it clearly has aged very well over the years, and I can remember uh, when we were working at that grocery store that we would, you know, geek out about the things, you know, the things we were watching or the things that we were a big fan of. And you, you talked about this movie a lot, so it, it, it clearly, it clearly is a, a big favorite of yours. And you were always just constantly quoting lines from it. Um, who's the Who's the actor that passed away recently? Uh, Rick Rick Dukeman is the one. He played Art, the fat neighbor, who was just a lazy, fat, bummy, you know, neighbor. That if you have ever lived in the suburbs, he's you know, every character if you've ever lived in the suburbs, which I've had, is spot on. I mean, there's the crazy guy, there's the normal guy who's you know stuck in you know his own little world, and you got Art, the you know the the fat crazy guy. So it, it's it's perfect. But yeah, Rick Dukeman, who j- who just passed away here recently, not you know, probably a couple months ago. Yeah, and doesn't really he start the whole fire? I mean, I, I watched this for the first time, actually, uh, through Netflix's DVD service. This was before it was streaming. Yeah. And uh, really enjoyed it. it, 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 it despite the fact that you, you talked about it a lot for some reason, I just never committed to watching it back when back in the day. It but uh, But I, 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 I really ended up loving it. I, uh, I, I really do... I really do uh, wish that Joe Dante still had like a big career, but apparently he's still struggling with independent stuff. Though he clearly has made peace with that, and it's full yeah. of it's full of his full of his touches, like visual or you know just the, the weird sensibilities he always works with on scripts. And uh, Rick uh, Dukeman, uh, he was all, he, I seem to remember he was the like was it like some drunken guy in Groundhog Day and uh, yes he was he was actually I think his more recent work he was in one of the scary movies he played one of the dads uh, but that was like the last thing I ever saw him and I could I couldn't tell you which one it was though yeah I'm I'm looking at some of his credits uh, and he, apparently he was in Last Boy Scout he was in Encino Man and Gremlins too and that's uh, right he wasn't in Encino Man I forgot about that this guy was big one of the guys that he never really had anything major he was actually a stand up comedian and was yeah. actually really funny but. He always had, you know, minor roles in, in in these movies. But he's done a lot of notable stuff from the eighties. I'm I'm seeing Spaceballs and Die Hard and Hunt for Red October and uh it's it's crazy. He's just one of those little great little character actors that you you'll see him you can always be reasonably entertained by him, but he just never really got that, you know, big break because I guess he just doesn't have the matinee idol look like you know tom hanks or something but uh he he was really great in this movie he starts off the whole paranoia 
uh, thing. He, 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 I remember like an early scene. He comes to Tom Hanks's house and just starts going through their food. Yeah, he just <laughs> kind of makes himself at home. And- yeah, and the kid who's also eating also keeps talking with them. And they get, there's this shot where they're riding in each other's faces, still eating and not breaking eye contact. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a great scene. Yeah, Art just makes himself at home and and he's actually shoot trying to shoot crows with a BB gun to start that but you're right he's the instigator of the whole thing him and tom hanks's son who is nobody of importance right um you know are the ones that kind of start it and then he's the one that gets it into tom hanks's head you know there's these people are really really there's something wrong with them and it just it's just i'm telling you it's it's a great movie and it just it just reminds you of of friends of peer pressure almost there's a lot of peer pressure in this and there's a scene where uh, you know, Rick Dukum is, is daring Tom Hanks to go and knock on their door, and they finally do. And you know, they knock on the door, and a swarm of bees takes them over. And you know, <laughs> Bruce Dern has to spray them off with with the water hose. So it's it's definitely got it, it its quirks. Yeah, but yeah, that that definitely gives it its uh its spirit, its flavor, or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's that's a great pick, and I also concur it's it's a good recommendation for a netflix streaming if you do have it uh anything else you want to add about it no i just like i said it's it's probably in my top five comedies of all time that i like that i like to watch it's just and i think the reason i like it so much is is you know this just goes back to to one of your earlier podcasts you had about you know dubbing movies onto vhs tapes Mm -hmm. and i actually had done that with the burbs because we're not where I grew up. We had we didn't have the satellite dish until you know I was like fourteen or fifteen years old. So we had the three stations. I remember they ran the Burbs on an NBC or CBS, you know, a Saturday night movie, and I recorded it. Of course, it was edited down for television, but you know it's it's not that dirty of a movie anyway. So it was just a few cuss words here and there that were that were edited out. Right. right. But I kind of did like you. I, I recorded it, and me and my brother we watched that thing probably a hundred times over and over, you know. And that's why I became so fond of it. So it has a lot of sentimental value for me as well. Nice. All right, uh, let's go on to my pick, and this is something that I saw when I was a teenager, kind of overlooked it, but uh, and it aired on Turner Classic Movies recently. And TCM is one of the reasons I'm still dumb enough to subscribe to cable. It's a great station. It is a great station, and uh, over the summer, TCM has this summer with the stars thing where during the day or uh, or during an evening, they will have movies that star a particular actor or filmmaker or whatever, and a couple of weeks ago, they had a night devoted to Robert Mitchum, uh, who's just one of the great tough guys of cinema from like the 40s or 50s, and... Uh, he was in this movie in 1974 called the Yakuza. And, uh, as you can suspect, if you know what the Yakuza is, it's Japanese, uh, basically Japanese mafia. And, uh, it's a, it's a movie he made in which he plays a, uh, an aging, he's like a former Marine served in world war two. And, uh, during his time in world war two, he kind of, uh, started an almost love affair with a with a japanese girl down there whose brother served in the war and was basically like you know they're on opposite opposite side of the of the war so basically they consider themselves enemies but he saves her life during a little skirmish 
and uh, when he finds out about that, uh, they basically uh, start this uh, truce. It, it's kind of an uneasy truce, but it's a very respectful one. And he disappears into some unknown location for a time, becomes a member of the Yakuza, and then breaks out of it. And this, uh, and basically, I think it's like 20, 20 something years uh, later on in the 70s. He's come back, and uh, one of his friends is uh, apparently made like a like a shady deal involving guns with a Jap- with another uh, uh, yakuza member, and that uh, yakuza guy has kidnapped this guy's daughter, and he's hoping to hire Robert Mitchum's character to see if he can recover her because Mitchum has like connections or whatever, and this brings both him and his. Uh, and his friend from Japan, who's played by this Japanese actor called uh, Ken Takakura, uh, and they basically join, have basically an uneasy alliance where they uh, try to rescue the daughter and then try to withstand the tide of uh, Yakuza, who are, will be wanting event, uh, revenge for it. And it's directed by Sidney Pollock, and he's a guy who's probably most well known for movies like. Tootsie and Out of Africa, N- not really well known for like you know action films or whatever, but he's he's a gr- great actor's director, and uh, I thought he did uh, a particularly really good job in this movie. I mean, and the fashion is very indicative of the seventies, but its attitude and its depiction of uh, Japanese culture and lifestyles is very very earnest and very respectful. And that goes hand in hand with the way that the story develops with this relationship between Robert Mitchum and Ten, uh, Ken Takakura and how their friendship kind of deepens, you know, the further and further their adventure, uh, their adventures go. It's punctuated by these brief moments of, uh, really, really gruesome violence for, uh, its time. You know, there, there's gunplay and there's sword play, so you can probably expect some, decapitations or limbs being cut off for stabbings or whatever but it's a it's a very mannered but uh very engrossing movie and uh i highly recommend it i don't know if it's streaming anywhere uh i don't know if it's really that available on dvd warner brothers has like this service called warner brothers archive where they have their own streaming service but they also have a program where if you want a particular movie in their archive that's not just readily available all you have to do is pay i think like 20 bucks at least for a dvd copy and they will they will make it specifically with like a box with inserts or whatever and then ship it to you so um if it comes on tcm or it streams any sometime anywhere uh soon i would recommend you take it uh recommend you give it a shot robert mitchum was he in in cape fear he he was in the original cape fear he also had a cameo as a police officer in the remake that martin scorsese made Hmm. and i think i remember from uh my my father used to watch a lot of westerns i think he was in a, a movie called the sundowners too that's about the only two things i can remember him from but which was a, which was a good western movie, but uh, which I'm a big I'm a big mafioso fan, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Never, I don't think I've ever seen a Japanese mafia version of it, but the movie w- had a script that was written by, co-written by uh, Paul Schrader and Robert Town. Paul Schrader is mostly famous for having written Taxi Driver and uh, 
uh, some other films like Bringing Out the Dead. He, he's worked with uh, Martin Scorsese quite a bit. And uh, Robert Town wrote Chinatown, which is just one of the great uh, noir films of the 1970s. So uh, it's it's got a pretty decent script for what it is. But, but yeah, Robert Mitchum is just one of those, uh, you know, he was very much uh, very prevalent in like film noir stuff like Out of Past. And uh, he played one of the scariest people, not only in the original Cape Fear, but there's this movie called Night of the Hunter, where he played like this uh, con artist who is passing himself off as a rel- very religious man. And he's basically just trying to swindle this family out of their fortune. And he basically just spends like a good half of the movie just terrorizing the kids of this particular family. And that's also something you should uh, uh, look out for. And you mentioned he's uh, his being in a western he's also was in i think i think it was like el dorado yes yes and and he has and that was with john wayne and he has a weird he's not really you know that handsome but he's got just one of those great expressive faces and uh but anyway you described it man he was just a a, a tough guy he was he had a very imposing uh uh, personality about him and uh, that made him perfect for tough guy roles whether whether or not he was the villain or the hero yeah and uh, like you said I had actually seen the original Cape Fear before you know, the, the remake and mm-hmm. that movie was he was pretty frightening in that movie especially to you know a, a six or seven or eight year old however old I was watching that thing but tough guy perfect perfect description of him yeah so anyway, um, if it ever shows back on TCM or if it ever streams uh, anywhere, I would uh, highly recommend you uh, check it out. So with that out of the way, uh, Justin, what is your or most recent as possible pick for a movie? I'm really in a stage right now where I'm watching a lot of documentaries. Uh, it seems to me like most of the movies, if I go to a movie with kids, it's got some cartoon character or it's a mm-hmm. superhero movie. So I won't bore you guys with that. I actually came across <laughs> the movie. It came. It actually has been out for about three or four years, but I, I saw it on uh, Netflix the other night. I watched it, and it's called Into the Abyss. It's basically... It's basically a story about a, it's kind of gruesome, a triple homicide down in Texas. And it follows, you know, the tracking of, of it was basically a, a real wealthy family. And these three kids get accused of, of killing them. And it basically sh- shines the light on not only the murder itself, which was gruesome, but on the Texas uh, death penalty, the way they run things down there. And, yeah. and you know, obviously... Uh, Texas is they don't mess around down there let's put it like no, that they're not afraid of killing there, people no, they will kill you and basically it 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 kind of goes around that I think it came out about four years ago and the I'm trying to remember the the family it's actually in Conroe Texas which I believe is just outside of Dallas but uh, it, you know it, it it follows the case from from when it happened and basically what had happened from what their perspective was, there were, you know, just like I said, a wealthy family, and they had some cars that these guys wanted to steal. They they befriended the son, and you know, they basically set this family up and and murdered them, and and it was just a, a nasty, you know, gruesome thing to happen. And then they they finally figure out who done it, and there's a whole big chase, and there's a big shootout, and people get wounded, and and they basically speed up the the killing process i guess is how to put it and 
and that's how it goes and it's it's very interesting it's very dark i will say that but you know you're not going to get any you know anything positive out of it whatsoever but it, it's very it just basically paints the texas death penalty system through the eyes of the would-be uh, accused i guess but called into the abyss and it's on netflix it's streaming has been for a while and it's actually distributed by and produced by the ifc channel which i know you're not a huge fan of anymore but (laughs) well i mean their their uh their production company the distribution for films is pretty much the only thing that that can be uh that i I find admirable about them anymore yeah but I would definitely check it out if you if you like documentaries. It's very well done. And, you know, I'm, there's really not much to, to to tell about it without just giving it all away. But it it's very, it's very, you know, interesting. And you know, it's one of those you start feeling bad for the killers, and and then they, you it comes to light of how horrible people they really were. Then you start feeling bad for them again, and it's just you're it's like a roller coaster ride. But it's it's you know it's about two hours long, and it, it you know it's not going to take up your whole night, but I would highly recommend it, but I would not let the kid watch it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Apparently, I'm looking at it. It's directed by the the German director Werner Herzog, and he yes. did he did Grizzly. I think he did Grizzly Man. Yes, he did. Yes, which is another great movie, by the way. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely uh, keep that in mind because I don't think I've heard of it, or maybe I have and I just uh, overlooked it. I had never heard of it either, and like I said, I had watched. Oh, five or six, seven documentaries, and it came. It popped up on the uh, recommender for you, and I saw the, you know, <laughs> it saw it into the abyss, and I gave it a shot, and yeah, it, it, it luckily it, it was, you know, it's it's a tragedy what happens, but it, it, like I said, it just gives you kind of an eye opener as to uh, what's going on down in Texas, and then just killing everybody that does anything, but right, yeah. nice, well. Uh, it just so happens that for my most recent pick, I've also got a documentary to uh, talk about. And this is a, a documentary called I Am Big Bird, the Carol Spinney story. And uh, it came out, I think, in like limited release last year. Then it went out to VOD and probably had, because uh, it's a documentary, It's if it had a wider release, it was still relatively limited. But uh, it's available on net from the Netflix DVD library, and I found out recently that it will be streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you have that, I, I currently don't. But if you do, I would highly recommend uh, checking this out. Uh, Carol Spinney is a, uh, a puppeteer who was worked with uh, Jim Henson pretty much near the beginning of the show Sesame Street, and he created and helped puppeteer both Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. And the movie details his life, uh, his early beginnings, and how that shaped him into the kind of person he is, which is a very gentle, not not aggressive kind of person, which bleeds into the characters that he's uh, creating. And it shows you how, the, uh, how he got his gig at Jim Henson's uh, and how... There were some conflicts uh, due to the creative process, but also it shows you just uh, how much personality and emotion that he invested in creating Big Bird. And I, for one, really didn't know how you operated the puppet, the, uh, the the puppet apparatus for that. And the movie actually describes it in detail, and it appears to be a really kind of exhausting 
uh, kind of ordeal. And I thought it was just a guy in a suit. It, it was. It, it is. But what he's doing is like say he's got like one his right hands reaching up through the through the throat and operating ah, the mouth. I got you. Then his uh, left hand is going into the left hand for Big Bird. He can't see. All he's got is this small little monitor that shows him where the camera's pointing. So basically, if he needs to move in a certain direction, he's got to move in the opposite to where he thinks he's going. So if he's moving stage left, he's got to go to his right because the, sh- the camera's showing anything in reverse. But that's the only way he he can tell where he's going or not. And it it shows what a what a grueling physical process that is but also how he's so committed and so devoted to that character that he's been playing this character for like 30 years now like since 1969 and he still hasn't completely given it up and the dude's in his early 80s i think he's like 81 and uh not only uh did he do big bird he also did oscar the grouch and it, the the documentary details about how you know his personality got into both those characters and also just demonstrates what a you know what a naturally sweet soul that he was uh and this is uh, a movie that for me is pretty notable because it's one of the very few movies that made me tear up in like a long time uh there's this moment where it does cover uh jim henson's uh, death and funeral and I haven't really seen much of the footage from the funeral, but at one particular point, uh, Spinney dresses up as Big Bird, and during the funeral service, he sings uh, "It Ain't Easy Being Green" in okay. tribute to Jim, and it, I just and I just teared up right then. And it's it, it's very moving. It's it's very kind of comforting, and you you just have so much appreciation for someone who will throw themselves into the creative process like that. So. Uh, I highly recommend uh, I Am Big Bird, the Carol Spinney story. And who doesn't like, or who hasn't watched Sesame Street? And you, you think about that, you get lost, and you, you remember those are puppets. And, you know, that's interesting. I would have never thought that it, you know, his his uh, mouth would have been you know, operated by hand. So. Yeah. Like you, you would think, you know, puppeteering uh, technology, like maybe it was all radio. You know, like it was all animatronic or something like, uh, I don't know, maybe Job of the Hut. Maybe they had like maybe more than one or two people yeah. inside or it was remote controlled. But no, it's just one guy doing that whole thing. And he's went around the world. He did a very uh, special ep- uh, episode in China, which is touched upon in the movie. And uh, like I said, it's it's hot inside that suit. But I mean, he's a trooper. He stayed in it as you know as long as he could and uh it's it's a great tribute to this to this guy who i i grew up of sesame street i was kind of more partial to like bird and ernie because of you know my brother and i you know i i always identified with bird i mean ernie and he always identified with bird but everyone loves big bird sure so, and he I, and he's I, well with oscar's a grouch so i'm very familiar with <laughs> so and and Elmo to to a certain degree has stolen the spot stolen the spotlight uh, from Big Bird, but Big Bird will always be the flagship character for that Absolutely. series. Absolutely. So um, I highly recommend this show. Like I said, if you've got Amazon Prime, uh, I think it will be out 
I want to say early September, if you subscribe to Netflix's disc service, which I still do, uh, you can easily get it from there. So uh, that that's my uh, present recommendation. Well, I do. I do have. Well, I should say my wife has Amazon Prime, nice. so I will definitely check that out as soon as it comes out there. I'm very excited about that. Actually, I'm kind of like you. Though. I'm kind of dreading the Jim Henson parts already. I'm. <laughs> you, get, you get older like me and have kids. You, the tears come out a lot more often than they used to. Let me tell you. And, and do, do they do they grow up with Sesame Street? I'm kind oh, of yeah, Sesame, Sesame Street. And now, to be perfectly honest with you, thanks to the magic of Netflix, as we've said, uh, Reading Rainbow. Yeah. Very popular. I I caught myself watching it the other day and showed it to them. And, you know, uh, they like it, too. So, you know, aside from growing up, it's much better than luckily we lucky. We didn't get any door of the Explorer blues clues or anything like that. It was you know, just like uh, Sesame Street and, and Reading Rainbow and Mr. Uh, Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers was in there, and I think Carmen Sandiego was still yes. on for Russ when Russell was little, but it has long since gone for the other two. But uh, yeah, yeah, they they definitely love some Sesame Street. Great. Which is going to HBO now, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. <laughs> well, it, HBO will get exclusivity on a certain selection of episodes, but PBS will still be able to air them. I'm not. I'm not particularly clear on why, why, how HBO is is where they're one. I guess they're one to just to get more kids involved with their uh, children programming. Yeah, they have a family channel for HBO, but if it's going to be just on regular HBO, I can remember you know growing up them having some programming uh, on you know cartoon type things, but nothing serious that I can, that I can remember. So I don't I don't know what their angle is here, but. Yeah, well, if if they can afford it and they've got like a, a big install base with HBO, like for example, I mean, since uh, HBO Now or HBO Go, since since they have actually a separate streaming uh, option that doesn't require a cable connection, uh, I, I'm thinking they're just trying to find. Uh, I, I think they've they've they believe they've got a, a big enough install base where they can afford to uh, to show Sesame Street programs uh on their on their uh, service so maybe it's a smarter move than uh I, i'm thinking it is yeah because you're right there's not a lot of on the stream because we have the hbo go and there's not a lot of family content it's more <laughs> you know it's more stuff for me which is fine because i love watching their series they have some great series but you're right not a lot not a lot of family stuff on there right so anyway uh let's move on to tv do you have a past option for us I do have a a past option. Actually, I have a lot, a lot of past options, but um, I'm I'm trying to even as of right now decide on one. But but for a short period of time on ABC, there was a show called The Dana Carvey Show, and it produced very some very well known actors. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Carell was on it. Stephen Colbert was on it. Uh, Steve Higgins, who is with uh, Jimmy Fallon now, was on it. It was short lived, and there are reasons for that. <laughs> It was very funny. <laughs> it only lasted um, 10 episodes, but it was on primetime ABC in the mid-90s, and it was basically like Saturday Night Live with just Dana Carvey. And you can imagine just how crazy it got. At one point, he was making fun of the sponsors and an opening monologue by, you know, I think one of his sponsors was like Mug Root Beer, and he was, you know, comes on how cool it is for you and, you know, what's, what the ingredients are. And he's got people dressed up as the ingredients and, you know, saying, hey, I'll, you know, give you kidney failure and things like this. So, it didn't work well, but it's hard to find. You can find the episodes on. It was on Netflix for a while, but it's it's long since gone. You can find them on YouTube at full episodes. 
And like I said, Steve Carell's in it. He's he's fantastic. Dana Carvey is. Uh, if you can find it, I highly recommend it. It's again one of those that if you, if you didn't watch it, then you didn't know. I think it came on like after Roseanne and before Home Improvement. Something so it had a perfect time slot, but it just it was just a little too ahead of its time. I, I think I'm is the best it, way is that it. it's it's good comedy, but it's very very surreal. And uh, I can remember yeah. the night it, it uh, premiered, and the, the opening segment was with him playing Bill Clinton. And at one particular point, he pulled a chair, and he has, like, multiple uh, nipples that you have a bunch of animals just yes. breastfeeding from it. And uh, I can remember the reactions to that. Like, I, I don't know if it was on, like, Entertainment Tonight or something, where some people just pulled out just based on that opening segment alone but it was just it was just nuts and i can still remember certain segments like there's a recurring one with i think him and steve carell where they their idea of a prank is to just have money for like either gas or meeting up with a <laughs> prostitute even happen yeah. before it goes through they just run away like they get paid for the gas but they don't they don't fill it they just they just yeah, they don't pump it, and they take it out. They take off running, and it cuts to them in the car, you know, just dying, laughing, the driving away. In the hotel room, and they give her the money, and she goes into the restroom to like wash up. And by the time she comes out, she's already ran out, and they're back in the car, just laughing their ass off. It's that that that's exactly. It. They also have one. I think it was called. It was it was Steve Carell and and maybe Louis C.K. It may have been Dana Carvey. I can't remember, but it was Germans. Germans saying yes. nice things about Americans, and they would just stand back. You know, your kitten is very pretty. You know, it was just you silly nonsense. But of course, the church, the church, he was, yeah, the church lady was there. Of course, all his classic characters from SNL that, that he could get away with. But yeah, the the whole the whole Germans saying nice things, like I said, the pranksters, and it was just it was a lot of fun. I'm looking at it. it actually aired in 1996. It was planned for. Eight episodes, but only seven made it on the air. But there's one unaired okay. episode that I guess no one knows about. Nice. So, but uh, Robert Schmeigel uh, actually was the, the main producer on that. Who, of course, was from SNL fame. You know, did uh, Gary and Ace, the biggest they do all the cartoons that you know that they did. He's been a long time producer there. So it was basically Saturday Night Live on ABC yeah. for 30 minutes. Is basically That's a good what it pick, was. Man, I, I I think it is available also. Netflix's disc library. I think there's like a two disc set. Yeah, and they actually named it every episode. You know, had a different sponsor. Like I said, it was like Taco Bell or Mug Root Beer and, and Mountain Dew. And, and one of the the big things about it was when Mountain Dew was the sponsor. This was back when at, at a time when I think it was like yellow number six. One of the, the ingredients in Mountain Dew was supposed to like make you infertile. And so that in the opening monologue, you know that it, that was brought up. So yeah, he wasn't he wasn't winning oh, any man. sponsors over that for sure. I've forgotten that aspect of the show, but I need to I need to get back on that one day. Yeah, that it it's definitely I watched him on YouTube not too long ago, and it's just as funny now. But yeah, he you know he did a, a good Ted Koppel, and he's always doing something on that line, and and <laughs> there 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 is. There's one point where they're hosting an award show and, and Steve Carell and Dana Carvey play these, these I think, Japanese like filmmakers. And they're, based, they're just saying out the names of the nominees. It was Phil Hartman, actually, that was saying these. They're saying out the names of the nominees. And 
they just say their name like they're a nominee and they get excited <laughs> like they've won and run, rush the stage and it's just awesome. it's pure hilarity okay uh for my past pick, uh, and this is something I've only watched one episode of, but it's a series that put it, uh, the FX network on the map, and for some reason I just overlooked it. Uh, but seeing how uh, one of their best shows, uh, Justified, is no longer playing, I decided to give a chance for the TV show The Shield. Did you watch this when it originally came out? Uh, yes, not all of it, but I'm kind of like you. The first two or three seasons I, I did, and then I kind of watched, you know, I, I missed a few seasons here and there, but yeah, very, uh, very good show. Whole, I don't know if it's on Amazon Prime, but uh, it is uh, It is available on Hulu Plus, which I subscribe to, and they got the, the entire run on it, and I've so far watched the pilot episode, and it, it's... It's still very effective, uh, you know, detailing with Michael Chiklis playing this very, uh, very corrupt cop, and and how a certain member of the force, whether like the police chief or the other members, how they how they're trying to expose him or how they're just trying to work them because he's a bit of a he's a bit of a uh, he's a bit of a uh, braggart and. Uh, He's not a. He doesn't mince words with anyone, but he's also a very effective police officer. That's that's kind of the the thing that's most infuriating about his character. He'll do awful things, but sometimes he'll do awful things in order to get you know positive results. And I think like in the pilot episode, he basically beats the crap out of an interrogation suspect just so they can find out where the location of this kidnapped uh, person is. And yeah, that kind of, that kind of sold yeah, me on the show. Yeah, and right it there. basically the, the show famously ended with the death of a character that no one really particularly see coming, and it's and certain shows like Walking Dead, you don't know who's going to live or who dies, and they've uh, they've re- they've rested on that like a crutch. So The Shield was one of those early TV shows where they weren't afraid, and it actually has serious power for when it happened, and. Uh, the show's creator, Sean Ryan, went to Twitter, uh, and in a series of, tre- of tweets, he'd, uh, he that the the Shield will be converted to a 4K remaster for digital and Blu-ray releases, nice. and uh, it could it could really stand for doing uh, it could really stand for a, for a touch-up job, uh, and also I I kind of had to watching that pilot episode. I had to remind myself this took place. Uh, certain artists were still in vogue, and the the show ends with Kid Rock's "Ball with the Ball" playing oh, with it, and that's that's yeah. a song that I've never particularly liked because I don't like Kid Rock. It's it's actually used pretty well considering uh, what happened. So, um, it, it's it's the times. I, I actually got into watching The Shield because I was a big fan uh, of of Michael Chiklis in The Commish, another. Another where he was, you know, the commissioner of a police department that was back on ABC way again, back in the early 90s. And, I, you know, I can't remember sitting down with my family watching that. And I thought he was great in that. Totally different than the commission as far as his tactics. But nevertheless, he, he plays a really good cop. So uh, I've uh, so I, I want to continue watching that show, despite there's a whole big barrage of TV shows that I need to catch up on. So uh, but that's my pick for the past and uh, 
what do, what do you got and uh, for a choice regarding a present TV topic? Well, I have a, a good show that actually, unfortunately, just got canceled uh, not too long ago. It was come on TBS. It's called Men at Work, and not you know, it's not about the band or anything. It actually, <laughs> it actually starred uh, Danny Masterson from yeah. uh, Hyde, who was on the '70s show. And uh, Michael Cassidy and, and a guy named Adam Bush and J.K. Simmons had a recurring role in it. And basically, it, it centers around four guys who work at a magazine and just their lives in New York City in general. And it's, it's just funny. And, you know, you have you have, you know, one guy who's, you know, taking his career serious. You have another guy who's kind of the. You know the jock goof off, goof off guy, and then you got another guy that's really nerdy, but he's he's dating the bosses. He's got to marry the boss's daughter, and you know it's just wild and funny. And and for TBS, I thought it was really good. You know, it was actually on for three seasons. Uh, me and my buddies from over here, we would watch it all the time and talk about it. And then we just thought it was hilarious. And then all of a sudden, it's not there anymore. So, but it's called Minute Work. Uh, it's not on Netflix yet. I know it's going to be soon. They're you know working something out with TBS, but Minute Work, very good. Danny Masterson is actually the lead character, and uh, he really goes away from his you know his '70s show character, where he's a stoner, you know, Jimi Hendrix lover, to a you know a fine citizen. And and you know the first episode, he gets his heart broke by Amy Smart, and you know it centers around him. You know, should he go with somebody else or, you know, follow her around? And it's just a basic, you know, bunch of guys in their mid 20s and uh, doing funny <laughs> stuff and being stupid about it. So it, it, I, I would, if you, if you can find it, uh, TBS will run it. They still run it, you know, uh, you know, reruns and syndication. So if you ever get a chance to check it out, it just, you know, pops up. It's one of those you got to DVR because it's on at like 3 30 in the morning, you know, about 3 05 on Turner time. But, yeah, uh, it's a very. I would highly recommend Men at Work, the TV show, not necessarily the. Band. Yeah, I think I've maybe watched a couple of episodes during season and then dropped off. Uh, not not because I hated the show, but but just I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to keep up with it. That's just the way it turns out sometimes. But I, my boss also really enjoyed oh, yeah. that show. Oh yeah, he has a you know a tendency to like shows that eventually get canceled, whether that's uh terriers or lights out on fx and uh my for my present for my present pick it's also a show that's briefly been canceled but uh but yeah that's just the way way the things go yeah i was gonna go with the show called probably no one has ever heard it was only on for one season called detroit 187 again centered around uh uh cops and it's actually on netflix the one season but i i i there was a point there where i would not get too invested in movie or TV shows for that very reason because I would like them, but apparently nobody else would because this had uh, Michael Impernali, who of course is from The Sopranos. He played Christopher Maltesanti in, in The Sopranos. Total role reversal. He's in as a cop, and pff, there it is. I really enjoyed it, and it's gone. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, man. Maybe I just we have weird tastes. Anyway, um, <laughs> my present talk, like I said, it's been recently canceled, and that is Hannibal. And uh, this is on NBC, the ah. the uh, series finale, for good or for worse, uh, premiered last night. I have not watched it. I'm kind of delaying it because I really don't want this thing to end. But I have loved this take on the Hannibal Lecter uh, universe, if you want to call it that. It's it's deviated a lot from the, uh, the source material because... Th- 
they they had an issue with the rights. They they had the rights. The show's creators had the rights to all the characters except for Clarice Starling, which would just be the big big gain if they could get it. So what they did was they went in the the basically the story uh, basically begins with. Uh, the Will Graham character from uh, Red Dragon or if movie Manhunter, who is this uh, FBI consultant who is able to track down serial killers by getting himself to get into set and track them down himself. And in this show, uh, he enlists the aid of Hannibal Lecter, although he doesn't know right off bat that Hannibal Lecter is a serial killer himself. Lecter basically messes with uh, Will Graham's mind, and you've got this interesting little uh, dynamic where they're trying to catch killers, uh, serial killers, but the person who can... Uh, but Graham's constantly questioning his own sanity and uh, just trying to stop the serial killers in time, and through its previous two seasons, it's taken a really, really bizarre turn, and there were a lot of episodes that felt very dreamlike or surreal, but it was just played well. It's 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 also quite frankly, like probably easily the goriest movie uh TV show I've ever seen on network television. I can't I, I don't understand how the show got available was made available on a network TV like NBC, but there were some really gruesome, gory uh sites and uh and I'm guessing the the TV show was co-produced by national uh, uh, organizations, and uh, NBC didn't have to pay a whole lot of money. And maybe they were just being good spirits for the uh, three seasons that it played, but they decided not to renew it. It's I, I've read somewhere that Amazon made a pretty good deal to keep the series running on the, their streaming service, but apparently that that didn't that fell through. So I don't. So it's kind of up in the air as to where, uh, as to whenever they'll ever revisit the show, either in a, a series or say a movie or something. But it's been a wild, wild, scary ride. And uh, uh, right, I, I believe the first two seasons are streaming on Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen the show and you like, uh, you. If you love the, the the Hannibal Lecter series, either in book form or in the movies, and if you just want a really fascinating uh, psychological thriller series, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I, I would too. I've watched the first season for sure, but the, the last two, I, I'm kind of like you. You just get caught up with stuff. Uh, I believe Lawrence yeah, Fishburne he, is in the series too. And, oh, yeah. Gillian and, Anderson uh, as well from and X-Files. I'm, and I'm not as big on X-Files as much, but I mean, she's she's wonderful in this show. So, uh, so, I, and I'll, I'll probably, probably need to catch up on X-Files before it's eventual return. Even though I did see, I, I did see like the first movie without having seen a, any episodes of the TV show. And I've found it very easy to follow along, but I, I can't really tell you that much about the mythology of, it. but how her character figures into Hannibal Lecter's life is a particularly interesting one. So, um, so yeah, it, it's got a really great cast. I wasn't sure about Hugh Dante who plays the Will, Will Graham character. I think like in the movies, I think Edward Norton played him, uh, in red dragon, William Peterson played him in Manhunter, which is the, the better movie in my opinion. But, uh, 
he did just fine. His he's a British actor. His accent just completely disappeared, and convincing and believable. And I think the actor who plays Lecter is Mads Mikkelsen. I may be mispronouncing that, but he's got his own particular take. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, go grand and theatrical like Anthony Hopkins. He's he's a lot more subtle and a lot more mannered and uh but also just easily terrifying. I mean, he's just got one of those great faces where you you know you just can't trust this guy. So uh yeah. That, that's so, a uh, you're putting it. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming maybe Amazon Prime will get the third season eventually, but uh if, if you want to catch up on those seasons, uh I would highly recommend uh you start from there. So uh that's my uh pick for the present. Anyway, uh, we talked about this earlier, uh, usually with past, past guests, if they had something con- to contribute to it, we would also talk about video games. But from my understanding, you don't play them very much. Not anymore. That's not my choice. Now, I will say this. Uh, the, the, video, <laughs> the video game that, if you want to call it a video game that I, I'm, I currently play right now, is uh, Flight Simulator X, which is... Uh, kind of going to my love of wanting to be a pilot. I had no idea that it was so realistic and so lifelike. I actually have a yoke that I, which is you know the steering column of a, of an airplane. And so I, I'm while I'm not into you know like the Far Cries and all the Batman games like my, my kids are into, you know the new Call of Duties or anything like that. I do tend to you know go into the the simulation world as far as flying an airplane, but. If you want to talk about the Far Cries and stuff, I'm not. I'm definitely not. Is that, into, not is into that a that PC anymore. game? Yes, that is a PC. It's, it's Microsoft, uh, and they're the ones that, that put it out. They've actually had several different versions of it, and this latest one, you know, you can just. It's basically what it says. You you start off. You can fly a little propeller plane all the way up to you know like a 747. And uh, like I said, I've always wanted to 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 be a pilot, but I have such poor eyesight and i'm colorblind so and that's just not in the cards for me right. to be a pilot so this right. is that's how i get my kicks I'm, I'm wanting to be a pilot but like i said even even now i don't get get to play it that much you know i know that there's been a lot of games come out here recently my kids they I'm, <laughs> I, I pay for them so i know i know they're i know they're there but i know the, the new uh, madden game came out here last week so i, I bad to buy that i got one kid that that likes to play the sporting games, and then I have my oldest son Russell, and he's in, like I said, into the the Far Cries and the uh, 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 Assassin's yeah. Creed and that type of stuff. So, yeah, that <laughs> that's too much work for me. Yeah, I don't have that kind of time anymore. I think the la- the last game that I really like was into was Call of Duty yeah. to Modern Warfare. That's yeah. because that was when I was in college, finishing up college for broadcasting school. I played it online a lot and almost became addicted. I was so good at that game. It was not even funny. I would stay up, you know, late at night playing it online and was really good at it. And then as as the third one, you know, you know kind of got released, it, it just I don't know, I think I just burnt myself out yeah, on it. Yeah, it, it it's that and that's been a common criticism of that series right up to this point where they're feeling that the previous games have not sold well as it has in the past where in the past it was just like a juggernaut modern warfare 2 the one you brought up i believe was like for the longest time held this insane record of uh of you know copies sold and i did play it online just like you and then after a while i dropped off 
because I think there was this big drama about the game's uh, developers having a break with, uh, I think, Activision, and that result, and it resulted in yeah, it only having like two map packs uh, released, and then every Call of Duty game after some particular point just gets uh, overwrought with. Uh, the experts and the people who like just like to troll people so yeah and my, my biggest problem with with modern warfare 2 this is back before there was you know such a way to police it yeah there was a lot of people that would just cheat you know and it was it got to where once those guys got in there it wasn't no fun and like you said they just basically the same game over and over and over again and uh, but you're right. Modern Warfare 2 was something else. That was that was an awesome game. I actually had I got that game about a month before its initial release. I, I knew wow. a fellow that worked for Activision Games, and he would always give me so I, you know like the rock bands and uh, you know all the Guitar Hero anything Activision had. He would basically use me as a guinea pig to to play those games, which was really fun back then. But uh, not so much. Anymore, uh, how old so is I don't, that I don't have flight the time. Simula- simulator game? Uh, I'm gonna say that. It's probably two or three. The version I have is, is Flight Simulator X. There's there's all kinds of you know of, I think it's the tenth yeah. edition edition is why it's called X, but uh, it's it's not too old. The graphics are really good. Uh, of course, I have a, a really good computer, and like I said, I splurge for the, the actual yoke and <laughs> and you know, pedals and rudders, and I did the same thing back in you know the mid two thousands. I was big in into simulator uh, yeah. uh, like racing games like rally cars and, and things like that and i had the, the steering wheel with the gear shift and all that so uh, I, I don't mess around when i get to, to sim racing or sim flying but it's a lot of fun and like i said i'll never be a pilot you know there's just no way but it, it kind of helps me relieve that that part of you know my dream i right. guess i don't know how you'd want to put it but it's a lot of fun and 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 plus it's you can play online with other people and you know they can help you They've got it now where you can like build, you know, different scenes, but there's pretty much anywhere you want to go is, is in there. But uh, I'm not into the Minecraft or anything like that. So now I'm, I'll leave it. <laughs> right. Leave it flight simulator I'm sure. X. Are your kid, are any of your uh, kids uh, interested in that? All at one point, uh, about two months ago, I had all either I have three kids, and each one of them is in their room <laughs> playing on their laptop, playing Minecraft against oh, each other man. in three separate rooms. So. I still don't know what that game's all about. I don't even try. I just uh, I just buy it. Uh, let's see. Uh, my past off. Uh, well, uh, I know you don't, but I, I I do try to keep up to date. Although I don't, I, I find myself not having a whole lot of time for it. Uh, for example, um, my past option is uh, Metal Gear Solid Four, and this came out for the PS3. And uh, I'm kind of playing it in anticipation for the uh, for the fifth game, the Phantom Pain, which comes out, I believe, next Tuesday. I will not be able to play that right when it comes out, uh, and probably not for a while because there's all these other games. I've, I've got like this ridiculous backlog of games that I've bought like digitally <laughs> or something, so I can just easily download them. But th- they all just happen to be big games because these days the games that they make they just pack them with so much content that it takes you forever in a day just to finish through them and uh and i get distracted by other things like for example my present pick is going to be one of those things but anyway for the past uh metal gear solid 4 i've played the previous games in the series and they're they're all 
they're, they're completely bonkers. Um, this, I mean, they're very Japanese uh, anime flavor. I mean, not anime, but there are, you know, the obsession with uh, mechs or nano machines, and it tries to tie them with uh, real world like situations. But look, uh, you have idea that the the most effective way to send off a nuke is to put it on a robot and let it fire it off that, that doesn't make any sense but hey you have to kind of uh swallow that to uh you, you have to suspend your disbelief for cer- certain things like that and it's a, been a very enjoyable series marked by these ridiculous production values and uh these cuttings that are very cinematic the the guy who creates them hideo kojima was very just loves movies and uh tries to uh tries to uh put a very cinematic feel on all the games in the series and uh four so far feels really is a lot of fun uh you have like this unique little camouflage uh uh equipment that just blends into whatever surface you're leaning against you got all these weapons and stuff the story i can't make hotter uh of it i would need to consult like a wiki or for something for like that but it's just absolutely nuts but i love uh I, I, well i love stealth games like this so uh i hope i can finish it and get this monster out of the way so i can move on to something else yeah i was yeah. a big fan of, of the original metal gear solid and great i mean it was the, a great the game the second one was like i think i think one of my first playstation 2 games for when that uh system first came out and it's it's also certifiably nuts. I can't tell you what's going on in the story beyond a certain point, but uh, it's a particular kind of crazy that I like. So yeah, I, I uh, willingly drink the Kool Aid every time uh, uh, an installment in this series comes out. But apparently, this one that's coming out next Tuesday is the last one because the creator uh, has basically cut ties with Konami, the uh, the uh, production company that is put out all uh games in the series for weird shady reasons that we'll probably never find out so pretty big game for a lot of people i've got you know several friends who looking forward to this game forever and knowing that it's the last uh means it has some special meaning for them and i could totally see that so uh eventually i'll get to it maybe i'll just have to wait on my birthday or something so Anyway, uh, my current pick is uh, Batman Arkham, Asi- uh, Arkham Knight uh, for the PS4 that recently came in from uh, Gamefly. And I'm a big fan of all the Arkham games. It's pretty much, if you want to be Batman, play these games because they're a whole lot of fun just beating up people and traversing through the sky. And they've added the Batmobile to this game. And it's a lot of fun just tearing through it, just uh-huh. just running over cars. And uh-huh. it, you have a little mode where it turns into a tank and you can just start blowing uh, cars that are trying to attack you. You can use it to uh, eject yourself from the Batmobile uh-huh. and fly up into the air. It's, it's nuts what they've done with this game. Yeah, my son has showed me that feature. And like I said, he's he's played all the... I played yeah, the first Arkansas. one. I can't remember what the first one was, but... I, yeah. Arkansas. I played that one, and that was you're right. It was a lot of fun. But but my son has has played them all, and he just loves the Batmobile feature. So yeah, you're definitely right about you know <laughs> just being able to, yeah. to cause you know total chaos. Yeah, it, and, it, and in, in some ways, I, I you know you can kind of feel envious of your of your kids who have free time to 
to pile into these games. That takes so so much time. <laughs> All the time, man. <laughs> You're right because games used to be so simple, and you know when we were growing up. Now you gotta, it's, you know, it's chronicles of, of things, and they're adding, you know, there's oh here's an add on exactly. pack. And it's a very it's time. an expensive hobby, so I, I I try not to spend a whole lot of it uh, on it, but uh, yeah, it's. It's also supposed to be the last game in the series, so uh, I'm I'm I've been enjoying what I've been playing so far. So uh, that's my uh, present pick. Um, so now we get into the discussion for music, and uh, we're coming within like the last thirty minutes or so. so I figure we'll spend like the last part of this uh, discussion on music, and music figures into our friendship because. Uh, by the time I reached uh, Fayetteville going to college, I, I don't really think I, growing up in uh, you know the the place in Arkansas where I lived, you're given this the diet of uh, country and uh, not a lot for anything else. And I was a bit of a late bloomer to stuff like rock or classic rock or something like that. But then I run into you, and uh, before I know it, I'm starting to listen to. Uh, artists I never thought I would uh, you get me into Slayer and Sepultura and Motley Crue and uh, it, it's almost like the first time that I wanted to get into Nine Inch Nails and bought the Downward Spiral album and I was hearing things lyrically or even musically that I thought you know if I listen to this then I'm I'm hellbound or something. Like I committed this unforgivable sin. Yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> I felt the same way. <laughs> but the more I thought about, it, I, I I realized that look, I, I'm just hearing someone else's perspective, someone else's opinion, and uh, if my faith, if my particular opinions on certain things get tested, then so bet they should, probably should be tested. But then I meet you, and all of a sudden I'm listening to Slayer and. Uh, their lyricist, Carrie King in particular, are not particularly shy about how they feel about organized religion or religion in particular. So that was no. that was even more no. of a, a wake up call because uh, they, they put it out on Front Street. And yeah, it's yeah, it's on, it's on the on album all cover. their album <laughs> covers. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it, it was a thrilling time in college, and you know, in, in college in your early twenties, you're you're still trying to break out of that I'm angry at the world or I'm full of full of tension or whatever and listening to all those metal bands kind of gave you like a soundtrack or some kind of way to vent your frustrations whether that was from job or, or whether that was from college or just you know people in general and uh, and I still try to listen to metal but I'm obviously I guess I'm just getting older and I'm listening as well so but uh yeah <laughs> but yeah uh, and i'm kind of curious uh i mean uh, over the years uh and i and i got involved with bands i didn't even think I, I continue to get involved with bands i never thought i would give a chance to like for some particular reason i got into cannibal corpse i don't know how this happened uh, I, no wait a minute i do yes. know how this happened i saw a trailer for a documentary they put out that someone made a three-hour documentary about the fans history up to a certain point called centuries of torment and they put out a three disc set and yes. i blind bought it not having owned any of their albums or their songs and just watched that and you realize they're just 
five regular guys who all have families, who are just good-natured oh, people, yeah. and even uh, people like uh, George Fisher, aka Corpse Grinder, he's one of the biggest nerds. If you, mm-hmm. if you if, <laughs> yes, he's got all World these figurines, and he's got like uh, Thor's hammer, Molinier, I think it's what it's called. I'm probably going to be taken to task for how I pronounce that weapon, but um, but it's it's it really just uh, takes you off your guard because you just realize well they're just talking about things that they like like you know zombies or just horror flicks and that that's where the inspiration comes from and yes they're absolutely disgusting lyrics and titles even though you probably can't understand the uh, death metal vocals or whatever but. You, you can understand yeah. uh, Corpse Grinder more than yeah, Chris, Chris Barnes. Barnes was or Rick Singer, very that's much for unintelligible, sure. but uh. the, the one thing that about Cannibal Corpse and the the you know if you just look at their albums, your most of their albums are either <laughs> covered or shielded or banned in countries. But it, the way they put themselves is they are horror movie music. So in other words, it's it's even George Corpse Grinder says it's silly. It's they're singing about. Instead of going to see a zombie movie, they sing about it. So, and seeing what you know, like a screen, they they tell you about it. That's the only difference. I, I get people all the time, you know, rag on me for listening. To, oh, you listen to Count of Course, but these same people watch The Walking Dead every weekend. I'm like, it's the same thing. They're just singing it versus you know watching it. So there's really the no more nerdier aspects mm-hmm. of culture like zombies have become way more popular and. uh a little bit more accepted, so yeah, it's you, you can't say this is weird when when uh, it's a little bit when it feels like it's a little bit more acceptable. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's helping. And actually, Cannibal Corpse's popularity is higher now than it it ever has been. They're about to go on a world tour, you know, w- with some some other bands. But and I think that has a lot to do with you know like you said it almost becoming acceptable to like zombie movies or you know to to like things like that but you know you had movies like saw that were just disgusting you know in the mid 2000s and people would would watch saw and have all the saw movies and then make fun of me for listening to you know slayer and six feet under and i'm going it's the same thing man and and i'm wondering uh are there even when you pass certain thresholds, like whether it was uh, Nine Inch Nails or Slay or Marilyn Manson, were there are, were there other artists or or bands that you felt challenged you through their lyrics or their music, other than those? Probably Slayer is the is still the biggest one, and I'm not really sure why. I guess because I grew up in the church, and it was just mm-hmm. the exact opposite of that. But the reason I got got even got into bands like Slayer and Cannibal Corpse is I I am I still try to be but I'm a drummer and the double bass you know that sounds like <laughs> warfare in these songs is what hooked me and it kind of grew from there I couldn't tell you any lyrics to any oh. especially the Chris Barnes Cannibal Corpse song but uh, you know the, with Corpse Grinder he you can understand him a little better but. You know that's kind of what got me hooked, but Slayer has still always walked that that line with me because it, it's, you know, it, it, it's out there. Now that my mom has passed away, it's a little <laughs> easier for me for some reason because she, I don't feel like she's gonna walk in still. And it, you know, it was a real a real struggle. I remember the first time I had an Iron Maiden number of the Beast, and she saw yeah. that tape, and it looks just horrible. You know, it's got the on it, but you listen to it, and it's not heavy at all. I mean, it's it's 
rock music. It's rock. It's heavy metal, but it's not anything right. like a Cannibal Corpse or Six Feet Under or you know, anybody right. like that. But I don't know. But Slayer has always been really challenging. Uh, maybe Six Feet Under and with, with anything with Chris Barnes, he's really into it. Another band that I really like that that does oh, it too is man. a band called Deicide. They're a death metal band out of out of uh, uh, Tampa, Florida, and they are they are again not shy about the Satanism and stuff. But again, they're one of those bands you can't understand what they're saying anyway. You know, I, I yeah. loved it for the double bass. So um, so anyway, I my taste developed as uh, through talking, you know, having conversations with you. And I can remember where you had opportunities to go to concerts and I wasn't able to follow you. I mean, at one particular point we did try to schedule a day to go see corn. Uh, no, not corn, but tool. And that fell through. Yeah. I think they canceled the show. So <laughs> but, something uh, happened, but yeah, that, that's where my love for, for music came from it started at a very young age i had a sister i have a sister that's seven years older than me and she grew up in the 80s i'm talking poison all that nonsense and so the deal was she could go to all these shows we lived an hour from tulsa and back yeah. in the day everybody came to tulsa so we lived an hour from tulsa she could go to concerts <laughs> but she had to take me that was the rule because for some reason, my parents thought if I'm there, then she won't do anything crazy, which she never did anything crazy around me. But so I got to get got drug, drug along to all these concerts, you know, in the in the late 80s. I'm 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. So I've always went to concerts and being an hour from from Tulsa, especially during the mid 90s, they used to have a radio station called Z104.5 The Edge. At one point, they were the largest alternative rock station in the country. So you can imagine every band that any band that could possibly come to Tulsa and play would. So going to concerts was was like a, just a, a pastime for me. And my buddies and you talked about earlier about you know being mad at the world or, or you know just letting out teenage you yeah. know testosterone. That's what we did at concerts. We'd go into concerts, jump around and knock each other around, and be done with it. We never got into fights or anything crazy like that at school. So. I think it really helped us out being able to, you know, mosh around and jump around and, you know, it's nothing like going to a concert and beating the crap out of somebody you don't know and picking them up and, you know, high-fiving them. You know, yeah. Just something about it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I think I've been in a mosh pit one time when I saw uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers back in 2000 and I did, wasn't a big fan of it. So basically any concert I went to after that, I had to be sitting up in the, like, the side seats or the cheap seats or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not a yeah. fan of it anymore. That's for sure. I, I don't. Uh, I go. I still go to concerts and and. But I, I'm with you. I'm definitely in the seats now. Unless there's just no option to to it, then I'll, I'll then I'll even think about even right. going. So I'm actually going to a concert next month, and it's it's standing room only. So I'm really not looking forward to it. To be perfectly, I'm going to take my wife to see Chevelle, yeah. who I like. You know, Chevelle's a really good band that I like, and I've seen them probably. 10 or 12 times and that's another thing you know during the the mid 90s early 2000s uh these festivals became real popular so i've seen a lot of these bands just because they were at a festival and, and, and i saw them so i can i can't even begin at one point i tried to write down the number of bands i've seen live and you know it was well over six seven hundred oh, wow. bands so yeah it, it, it's been but a lot of that again is yeah I, I went to most of the oz fest and i've been to a lot of the mayhem fest and 
and so you you know you get to see 15 20 bands pop so it, it's well like i said as i'm getting older my tastes are, are starting to uh to turn but i still like to go out and, and at least watch metal bands i definitely don't partake in in the jumping around anymore it's more fighting now anyway it's not even moshing it's 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 I think that people just go to fight <laughs> Well, what are, like, some examples? I mean, I, I can remember uh, you talking about uh, Jimmy Buffett or or you had, like, a box set of his at work or something. Yep. Or, like, some of these kind of mellower acts, uh, you know, if you can call them that, that, uh, that, I mean, you still listen to or maybe that you've discovered recently. Uh, definitely Jimmy Buffett is a, and that goes back, I had an uncle who grew up in Hawaii and for some reason loved Jimmy Buffett and I remember I'd go stay with him and he would, you know, have Jimmy Buffett playing and then again, going back to harps, they would play a lot yes, of Jimmy Buffett. Would. We worked there, they, so you kind of get used to those songs. I have the mindset for, for Buffett. I like, I like Yoakam a lot uh, as, as far as like a country. He's not really country, he's more of a, you know, there's a Bakersfield sound to it. I've always liked him. His he's got because he can't sing real well. He's not a real good singer, but he's got a sound that I I really like. And uh, you know, going even back further, I really like James Taylor. Uh, he kind of gets a, a bad name. I, I like the that goes back to my mom. She used to play a lot of James Taylor. She played guitar and played things like that. But you know, that's about as mellow as I get. And uh, uh, you know, CCR things like that. I'm really big into classic rock, but. As far as mellowing out, Jimmy Buffett, James Taylor, you know, things like that really, really kind of take me back. Now, I'm not making fun of you when I ask this next question, but there's another artist that I have seen on, like, your Facebook feed that I wanted to know what the <laughs> what the appeal is. Cause I, I, already, I, know, I already know what it, you're going to say. Uh, <laughs> Kobe. Um, Kobe Calais. I have is, never is heard someone... anything by her. What's her sound? Yeah, like? that does that does not surprise me. She is well now. She's more of a pop star. When I first started listening to her, I actually met her mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in Fayetteville. She was one of the first artists to use MySpace to launch her career. Yeah. yeah. And her father, his name is Ken Calais, and he was a producer, a big music producer back in the. He used to work with Fleetwood Mac a lot. So. He has a daughter named Kobe, and she, she it's all bubblegummy pop music. But when she first started, it was just her and her guitar, and she wrote her own music. And it was, again, they played it a lot at harps. But, you know, so you hear these songs constantly, but it, it's nothing I can relate to. But like I said, I met the girl before she got real famous, and she was really, really just a sweetheart. And she sat and talked to me for about 30 minutes at uh, George's, if you're, if you're familiar with Fayetteville. You know where George's yes. is. That's, that's where she was and she was opening for somebody I, I was with my ex-wife at the time and she uh taken her to see that band and Kobe Calais had actually opened up for him and uh i don't know it's just i don't know i guess if you meet somebody like that and you you know and it's in entertainment and you and they're you know not an asshole it <laughs> it, it, it really makes a big difference and and how you, how you see and I'm, I'm beginning to see that here too with a lot of these local guys that, that I, I meet and and you you know see see how hard they're working but yeah, she, like I said, she she used MySpace. If you guys remember what that yeah. is to to launch yeah. her career, and of course now she's huge. She they've she's totally not what she was. She's a pop star now, and it, it's it's totally different. But yeah, that that's for my love affair with with Kobe. Plus, let's be honest, she's she's really good looking. She's hot. Yeah, yeah, so. I can remember that she put an album. What was it called? Coco or something? That was that was her first album. Coco, yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. So that to tell you, it's it's really bubblegummy. 
pop as we call it in this industry. But I mean, we don't even play it here because it's too, too, you know, almost girlyish. But I don't know, man. Like I said, whenever you, that's all I can really right. do. I don't know. I, I, I can just remember first thing that album came I was like, what is Jennifer Aniston now gonna music career or something? Like, she looks, she kind of looks <laughs> just like her. Yeah, she does. She does look like Jennifer Aniston, and maybe that's what it is because I've always had a thing for Jennifer right. Aniston. I don't know. I don't know, but. But yeah, she she's definitely very attractive and, and and can actually sing. And I think that has a lot to do with it too, because when it boils down to it, she can actually sing, and that's just something you don't see, especially in pop music nowadays. You know, there's no auto tune or anything, not yet. not yet anyway. I'm sure it, that's heading her way just because that's the style. But yeah, like it goes back probably ten, twelve years ago when whenever I met her, and like I said, she that, cool. that's kind of where that all started. Cool indeed. Um, I. Uh and I, I mean, I uh, and I was, you know, asking you about these questions because trying to get an idea. I mean, because music plays a big part for you know for both of us, and it was one of the things that we talked about a lot when we used to work together. And uh, and I kind of almost wanted to ask, you know, go into like past or present picks uh, for music. I mean, do you have anything from the past that that you oh, yeah. wanted to talk about? Sure, uh, I actually have. One of my favorite albums, if 1997 is considered the past, which I sure. guess it is now, 18 years ago, uh, a band that probably anybody listening to this will know is actually called, called Hatebreed. Their second studio album is called The Satisfaction is the Death of Desire. And it's 26 minutes long. There's 14 songs, and it's 26 minutes long. So they actually opened up for a band called Soulfly, which is yep. one of my favorite bands. They were on tour with them back in the, you know, the late 90s, and I saw them. And of course, now they're 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 a huge band. Their lead singer Jamie Jossa hosts all kinds of stuff. But back then, they were just a hardcore punk band. Out of, I think Connecticut is where they're from. And the album is 26 minutes of pure hardcore punk brutality, start to finish. I mean, it's in your face, and I love it. And it's one of their the next album that they released actually was in 2002 called Perseverance, and it's that's the kind of the one that set them over the top and put them in the mainstream, but. Satisfaction is the death of desire. My hate breed is an absolutely. I think I bought that one off album. of uh, your recommendation for that. And, and, and wasn't there a point where they yeah. almost came to Fayetteville? Okay. Yeah, actually, they did come to Fayetteville. They came to Fayetteville in <laughs> election night 2012. I was there at Georgia's, and we oh, liked to have torn the place apart. It was oh. so much fun. Uh, it was the first and only concert I ever went to by myself. And I, I don't know why. I guess no one wanted to go, but yeah, they came to Georgia. It was packed, as you can imagine, for a, a a big name like that. But it was a lot of fun, and I was that may have been the last time I actually was in the mosh pit because I can remember getting beat up pretty bad for that one. <laughs> nice. I I need to revisit that album. I haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah, like I said, every song sounds the same, uh, but it's 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 got you know, it's it's hardcore punk, but you can you can understand what they're saying and, and it's it's got a lot of ups and downs i like the flow of, of, for music to flow almost where there's like this build up to you know like a riff or you know a chant or something and there's a lot of that in this album and and it's also it's not overproduced it's you can tell it was produced you know it was recorded in some you know crappy little studio and i, I like things like that i don't know it's it it's it doesn't sound like it has a million dollar yeah. you know, production behind it. Yeah, that's 
That was such a good. I, I I remember liking that album, but yeah, it's it's probably all aggressive testosterone stuff that I, I probably need. Oh, I, you're, I, you're, I, you're, yeah, I need I'm to be in a bad mood. mood at work or something, or maybe I just you know turn it on when there's no one around in one of the buildings I clean up every night and then just hate mop the floor or something like that. <laughs> you can't. You can't really listen to it on, on on your headphones though, because it'll take over sometimes. And I found myself doing that. My kids will be like, "What are you saying?" You know, I can't understand what you're saying. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, for me, my uh, my past pick is uh, going to be something just a little bit more mellow. I think my my present pick will be more uh, more metal related. And uh, the uh, do you remember a band that came out in like late '80s, early '90s called Jellyfish? Uh, I came oh, yes. to them late. There is this podcast called uh, The Hollywood Gauntlet, and on one episode, they did an episode entirely devoted to the second and last album by Jellyfish, which was called Spilled Milk, and it's regarded as like one of the great concert uh, concept uh, rock pop albums that uh, was you know impe- impeccably immaculately done and uh you know from every aspect from its writing to its production values but it cost a lot to make i think they they were given like a uh 500 grand budget and then it ballooned into who knows what and uh it led to just the band eventually falling apart you know when they tried to tour for it but uh recently off of itunes i got their first album which is called uh, belly button and uh and for some weird reason i think my and i've heard the album before but didn't listen to it again for like another year and uh i think the reason i got back into it was because i was watching uh an old uh movie on hbo called career opportunities that has uh jennifer connelly and frank whaley in it and at one particular point in the movie uh He's just playing this uh, this slacker who doesn't want to get a job, and eventually ends up working the night shift, the graveyard shift at Target, and Jennifer Connelly's in the uh, store with him. Uh, the night the night before uh, he goes to wo- work, there's a shot of him sleeping in bed, and his father's trying to get him out, and they play this song called uh, uh, "I Want to Stay Home," which was on uh, that Belly Button album, and uh, I. I absolutely love it. It's 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 kind of like a good starting point for what that band would excuse me, eventually become just, you know, good lyrics and great instrumentation. Uh I've never heard of a drummer who was also the lead singer but would also had a stand up kit. Yeah, yeah. As a drummer myself, that was always a big a big plus of me in, in that in that band. Andy yes. uh, Sturmer, have I think you, was his name. Did you see them live, or have you seen like live footage of them? Because I still haven't done it. I've seen live footage. Yeah, I, I have not. I, it's very hard to find, uh, and you know, I haven't looked recently. But uh, I did not. They actually did do a, a date. I think it was in might have been in Dallas. So I can remember it being you know within driving distance of me. But at the time, I was not a didn't have a license, so I didn't really have a, a choice. So. But I'm very familiar with this band, and and uh, I actually have the the uh, 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 belly button. I actually have the extended edition, and it has a lot of covers on it. They actually cover uh, bad oh, fingers, nice. no I, matter what, on there. I didn't know. It's great. It is a great cover, yeah. and then Jet by uh, Paul Hart Wings. So it has a lot of covers, and it's really really good stuff. If you, if you can find those versions, I'm sure you can nowadays, but yeah. you know, everything being digital, but. 
Those are yeah, great I mean, songs. There, great there's covers. There's so many great songs on this that one album, like "That Is Why" or "The King Is Half Undressed." Uh, yes. But, but yeah, I mean, it's in that episode on the Hollywood Gauntlet. It's it's long. I think they take like nearly three hours discussing them because they go over the band's history and how what they did on Belly Button transferred over to what they did on Spilt Milk and they even do like a song by song commentary on it. It's really in depth. Not everyone has the time or the patience for a a podcast episode of that length, but uh, it's very worthwhile if you didn't know anything about that band or that album and uh, I became like a, a, a fan after listening to it. So, um, so that that that's my pick for it. I I I didn't know about it back then, so I didn't know if uh, you knew anything about them. Or... Yeah, like like I said, that all goes back to uh, the Edge, the radio station in Tulsa. They would play they would play bands like that, and bands like you know Green Jelly and the Butthole Surfers and, and bands like that that you know none, you would never hear of on, on you know you know quote regular radio. But yeah, that very which is a shame that I never got to see them live because if. They could have done it. They would have brought them there. That was what they were big, real big with, bringing all these these bands into Tulsa. But yeah, great pick. I love that. So, album. what have you got in uh, in the way for a uh, a future? Well, future uh, about a present or as recent as possible a pick for music. Pardon me. Uh, my recent pick is by a band uh, called Volbeat. Uh, they're I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're Danish metal. No. And the name of the album is Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies. It is they are, like I said, they're from Denmark. So they're they're very Danish, but they're they're really heavy rock, but uh, they can sing. And uh, you know, Michael Paulson is the lead singer's name. He can actually sing, but he's got a real thick, you know, you know, Danish accent. But they sing a lot about this album in particular is a concept album, and it's about basically Western style stuff. You know, I have songs like uh, you know the nameless one and the hangman's body can black bark, so you can kind of see where they're black going with Bart, this really. Album. <laughs> black bark, really. Yeah, lonesome rider, Doc Holiday, bands like that, and they do uh, uh, a song called Room Twenty Four. It's the it has King Diamond from uh, Merciful Fate as the lead or the cold vocals on it. But like I said, it's a very interesting. It's the best metal album probably that's been out in the last three or four years. And that's not just by me. You can look that up. It's it's really interesting it, it, because you know you would think metal and Western music would not mix, but it fits very well. It's got some really heavy guitar riffs, and, and like I said, Michael Paulson being actually being able to sing really helps. And I was you know I was gonna go with Machine Heads and the Blackening, <laughs> but uh, Volbeat is 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 this album I think would fit even if you're not a metal fan. I think you would really enjoy this album, and. I've seen their music also in a lot of like these uh, workout videos, so it gets you really hyped up too. And and like I said, it's very interesting. I know when you think of Western music or Western and heavy metal, but especially coming out of nice. Denmark, but it works. What's the band's name again? Volbeat. V O L B E A T. Volbeat. Well, yeah, they've been around for a while, but like I said, when you're from Denmark and you sing about cowboys and Indians, you don't gain a lot of popularity. However. This uh, last album really put them on the map, and they're becoming one of the bigger metal bands okay. in the world. So, yeah, jump on them while you can before you know all the hipsters say that they they nice. listen to them first. Well, uh, for my present pick, and I'm wondering if you're familiar with. I- I'm assuming if I'm assuming you're familiar with most bands that I'll probably pick out because you've you know you 
you're you're well into the genre way more than I am. But as of late, I've been trying to get into Lamb of God, and uh, they oh, yeah. they recently put out an album, and this is coming off the heels of uh, Randy Blythe's recent run in with uh, International Law or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just to say the <laughs> least. And uh, I I started out. Uh, usually with any band if they've got like a compilation album out I'll check that out just to get a sampling of what it is they've done and uh, was listening to the Hourglass compilation and that that has uh, stuff from when they were called Burn the Priest and uh, and, and some selections and rarities from the uh, from some of their earlier albums I forget for for how long how long of a span it covers but uh the recent album, I think it's called Sturm and Drang, I think, or if I'm pronouncing that correctly, came out. I, th- I think <laughs> okay. that's as good as you're going to get for it. <laughs> and it's, saying, yeah. it's, it's a pretty fantastic band. Uh, I've, uh, and, you know, they, they have their moments of, you know, where it, it approaches, you know, screamo. Not, well, maybe not screamo, but definitely the vocals can get really, really... Uh, uh, really, really intense in, in a punk kind of way, like you know, hate breed or something like that. But yeah. not quite, not quite Cookie <laughs> yeah. Monster, but close. But uh, but you know, just because I read like a uh, cover article in Decibel Magazine. I don't know if you uh, subscribe or have read that magazine before, but I they did a before, yes. cover story with uh, Randy Blythe and his his tale about. You know, having to overdeal that uh, that problem he had. I think it was like it was a, like a what was it a concert in Indonesia or something where I think uh, actually I think it was in Czechoslovakia okay. or what, what's left of it. Uh, but he, yeah, he basically what happened was that Lamb of God was having a concert there and it was in some you know hole in the wall place and the there was really no security. If you've ever been to a concert, you know there's usually a rail security than the stage. Well, there was just a stage there and apparently a kid kept jumping on the stage and at one point randy he came after randy so he pushed him off the stage and when he fell he hit his head and ended up dying and so he was charged with manslaughter and they didn't know this until they went on tour at one point and they said oh by the way we're gonna get you for manslaughter so basically he was stuck and i guess it was the czech republic for a long time in one of their jails and they and it was a thing to to get him free. And once he finally got free, he instead of never just going back to wherever that was, he went back, stood trial, you know, very well knowing that he could get life in prison. And obviously, overturned the they overturned the charge or they found him not guilty because there was all kinds of video footage of of this kid acting yeah. a fool beforehand. And uh, very scary situation though for for Randy. Yeah, Black. no doubt. Um, I uh, and I found that story very inspiring, and uh, it kind of. And, and I would always see Lamb of God albums like back when Fable had Hastings or something. Uh, I, I would always yeah. see like Lamb of God or Burn the Priest albums, but I don't. I don't recall. Uh, I, I don't know if they were really big back when we were working together. It's right when they were taken off. About uh, 2004, they were on OzFest, and they had a thing called the Wall of Death that they would have the crowd do, that they would have the crowd do, and that pretty much shot them shot them to fame because you remember 2004. It's kind of when camera phones yeah. started taking over, so people would record this Wall of <laughs> Death is what they. It was basically a big mosh pit where where people just ran into each other, but and they put it on YouTube, and that's kind of. 
that's kind of how their fame got started. And then, of course, people realize, hey, they're pretty good, you know, yeah. musicians too. So, but uh, but yeah, I I think I'll be listening to them a lot more often, and uh, probably maybe buy some of their stuff as well. Yeah, they actually have a documentary. Going back to our documentary theme that just came out called "As the Past okay. Burns," and it's on. I know it's on. Probably, uh, I think I saw it. It wasn't on HBO. It might have been on one of the music pay music stations there. But it's really good. It it chronicles them from the beginning all the way through Randy Blythe's trial, and I would highly recommend that if you if if you're a Lamb of God fan or, you know, if you're even semi-interested in them. Because, again, it goes back to they're just five normal dudes, you know, from Richmond, Virginia that like to play aggressive music. And, you know, they all yeah. got families, like you said, and like to fish and oh, do yeah. things like that. You know? I'll, I'll definitely, definitely, you know, listen to that. I've also uh, listening to uh, uh, Slipknot's last album. It is, is it is, and uh, and it's uh, very informed by the death of uh, was it Joey Jordison or uh, Paul see, Brown? Uh, Paul Brown was the oh uh, Joey left the group. Joey after yeah. got you know kicked out or something like that. Interesting note: the drummer for Slipknot now is actually Max Weinberg <laughs> of Bruce Springsteen fame and uh, Conan O'Brien fame. Oh. That's his son. Okay, that is the I didn't drummer know that. now. Wow! Here, I can't yeah. remember his name, but uh, uh, but that's that's uh, Jay okay. Jay Weinberg is his name. But yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> but I, I I can remember getting big back into well, getting uh, into Slipknot back when back when they were blowing up, and uh, yeah, I think we talked about that band when we worked together, and you know Iowa came out and it was just freaking huge and and i kept up with them afterwards but uh but yeah that that album has that you know a great sense of poignancy about you know about some of the song uh song sub subject matter but it's just as you know technically and musically efficient as anything they've ever put out so uh the, the gray chapter was actually uh pretty awesome yeah, I, I I thought it was was really good too, and, and it kind of went back to their their old sound, as I like to call it. They kind of got away from from what they were from you know from their self titled album in, in Iowa, and then up through there they got more of you know harmony and singing about you know love and things. I mean that's just that's not Slipknot, and for them to to take the time off and and actually record a good album like that was I thought yeah. was fantastic so I'm, it was just yeah. a really good album uh, before we get near to the end of this topic I want to ask as as uh, as someone who clearly has no problem getting access to music do you use any like streaming services like Spotify or Beats or uh, RDO or something like that or do you have absolutely no need for them we have Spotify here at the station, which we have an account, so we can we can use that. But I actually have on my phone. I, I use Apple Music now. I was using Spotify, but the Apple Music seems to be a, a lot more easy. I have an iPhone, yeah. so it it just works out easier that way. But they're basically the same thing. But yeah, I, I'm I'm always you know looking for new stuff and 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 downloading things. So absolutely, spot we use Spotify to to get music for uh. us here at the station. You know because not. Nowadays, they don't send out uh, CDs and things like that for you to put in a rotation. You, you right. have to get it yourself. Does, <laughs> does that, I, 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 and I don't know if it's 
too soon for you to tell, or maybe you haven't been in the business long enough. Is that delivery model in any way kind of worrisome? Have you heard any uh, controversy or any people what thinking like it's it, you know is this is it affect? I mean, you know, obviously the music industry is being affected by. I mean, there's there's basically talk now about you know CDs definitely going the way of the dodo pretty soon. Do you agree with any of that, or what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think CDs are, but you know, especially with Apple Music or 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 anything like that. that as long as the artist gets paid, they don't care. And as far as us playing it, it's free promotion for them. So that they're not going to come up here, hey, stop playing my song. You know that that would be foolish of them to to do that because we get it out there for for everyone to hear and hopefully for them to download it or, or buy it or. Cause I still buy. It. I mean, if, if there's a, a an album comes out, I want to I want to get. I will buy it. I won't just. I'll try to go out and get the CD. I'm kind of like you. I, I'm I'm partial to CD still, but it's getting harder, yeah. harder, and harder to find. But as far as it does affect the quality of the sound, uh, I've noticed whenever we have to record it off of Spotify or Apple Music, it it and we have high tech, you know, recording. You know, devices and, and software. We have a Adobe Audition software, which is like a thousand dollar software program, and even then, it, it it's just not the same quality as as a CD. It's just there's so you you get some effect there from it, but I'm afraid that yeah, CDs are are just to go the way of like you said, the dodo or cassettes or anything like that. But uh, I I don't know. I don't, I can't remember the last time you know that. Because I'll buy the CD, but I immediately put it on, you know, my iTunes, and it goes yeah. onto my iPod. So <laughs> I don't remember the time I've actually listened to to an album. People might think that's silly, but I like the artwork. I like having the, you know, the discs, and and I still have a big pile of them. So that yeah. that's kind of my. I, thing I still have quite a few discs. I've uh, you know either uh, sold or traded them for like store credit. Uh, like for you know, example Hastings when you know back in the days when they still used to do that. Uh, we still have we still have uh, a Hastings lucky. here in Fort Smith. So <laughs> I was just there the other night and they had the old uh, half off of used everything. So yeah, yeah, they had a, they got some got some nice Blu-rays for like four dollars. So they they're used, but you know Hastings if it's Thing wrong with yeah. your money back, it just so. feels like the only option in Fayetteville these days is probably like vintage stock or something because yeah vintage stock we, it's where we used to go when, when Hastings I still don't know why they closed that Hastings down that place was always busy I think it had more to do with the, the people that would hang out around that Hastings they got pretty rough if you went there after dark it was kind of a meeting spot for like fights and wow. things like that I don't know why I guess because there was what? There was so much room, you know. Meet me at the Hastings parking lot or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's a shame, but Vintage Talk actually is a decent is a decent store, and uh, and I'm pretty sure that you know if they don't have it, they'll they'll gladly like order it for you. And uh, it just seems like either that or Barnes and Noble just seems to be like a really decent place to get music anymore. So yeah, yeah, I forget about we don't have a Barnes and Noble here, so I've. I've Forget so, but we do have the Hastings. So there's, yeah, it's it, a win-win. It's, it's a win-win. But uh, anyway, um, we're coming near to the end of the uh, the episode. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure we, you know. Well, I don't know. I I don't. Maybe not me, but you probably have places to go and things to do with your family. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. 
whole family yeah. thing gets in the way so sometimes. man <laughs> i i do appreciate you uh spending time uh to talk with me and it's also been just a kick to to just speak with you you know at all after after yeah. you know a, a, a decade of exile which neither one of us actually planned for <laughs> it, 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 makes, it makes no sense right i'm just that type of guy there's another guy that i used to uh, work with the harps that we've been planning on going fishing for for 15 years just about and we just never have got it done i mean I, i've been to his house and everything and we've just never been able to go fishing but yeah it's it's awesome man I, like i said i'm a big fan of the podcast and i'm really glad to be on it and anytime you need me we'll do and, me I, know. and i appreciate that it's uh it's a year old and it's still a work in progress but uh i'll try to keep on being productive as much as i can um where can people find you social media wise or or especially um uh, how about like the the website for the uh, the radio station where they can because li- that's how I've been able to listen to it. Um, I, I, obviously, it may be available on the iHeart Radio app. There's an app called TuneIn uh, that you can that I've also used. It. It's on it's on the PS3 for crying out loud. But uh, yeah, I, I've I also got the website got bookmarked. So uh, can you give any information about the uh, radio station? Sure, sure. It, it- it's real simple. We're, our call letters are kxmx.com. You can click on that. And I'm like I said, I'm on between 11 and 5, Monday through Friday. Uh, you can you can also go to our Facebook page, which is the same thing. If you just type in kxmx in Facebook, you'll our Facebook page makes 105.1 pop up. My my Facebook page for my show will pop up too. It's called JP in the Midday. <laughs> I didn't name it. I just I just work nice. here. <laughs> but no, it, 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 it's a uh, it's really starting to to get you know growing. The guy I actually had to replace here was someone who had been in local radio here for a long time, and unfortunately, the guy had had, had a lot of health problems. He's and still battling a lot of health problems. But I, I've I was kind of like the guy replacing right. the guy. You know what I mean? And it's, it was been a little tough, but uh, we we've, we've really made it work. But yeah, just kxmx.com. You can listen live there, and you can click on. The talent section, you'll see my name, Justin Pettit. I got a blog. I, I post videos. I post music all the time there. And and you know, I got, I go on a lot of trips. Me and my wife take a lot of trips, so I'm always going somewhere and and videoing it and, and posting it. We just got back from New York. Uh, went up into the New World Trade Center and I posted a video of us going up in that thing, which is I'm deathly afraid of heights. So that was a lot, that was not fun, but it was cool to to say that I've been up inside the New World Trade Center. You know, we went to Central Park and uh, went by the Dakota Building where uh, John Lennon had gotten shot and saw the the memorial to him. So that was for a small town yeah, guy like me. That's I a big can, deal. I can imagine. Um, uh, and I, I'll try to remember to, to listen to your show i haven't been able to during the summer because my hours switch today but now that they're night uh and i usually yeah. wake up around 10 or 11 uh i'll definitely try to listen in uh through the website uh where can uh, if you want to give out this information where can people reach you like on twitter or something uh you can actually follow me okay i actually have two twitters <laughs> i have one for uh, my show, which is basically the the clean cut version of me, uh, if, if that's a good way to put it, it's at kxmx okay. underscore Justin, or you can follow me on my regular Twitter, which is at that's right. Batman Pettit. That's P E T I T <laughs> at Batman Pettit, and the reason that is there because back in my old radio job, that was my <laughs> nickname was Batman. Don't ask me how that happened, but that's. 
I think what happened was I wore a Batman shirt my first day there, and it kind of stuck. Everybody had a nickname. You know, we had like Ozark Robbie and John Boy Neighbors, and I was Batman Pettit, so I think I got the, the better nickname. But yeah, at Batman Pettit, P-E-T-T-I-T. Uh, a lot of music and funny, crazy stuff going on there. So <laughs> it's it's awesome. a lot of fun. I love Twitter. Uh, I can be found on Twitter uh, at Avid Acrid Jam, and uh, that's an that's my weird little handle. It's a mix mash of an Aphex Twin song, but whatever. Uh, if you want to send me uh, feedback, you can also send it through the through my email service which is uh past and pending podcast at gmail.com this podcast is also available through the itunes podcast service so just you can search for it in there just past pending podcast and it'll take you right to it please uh feel free to leave a, a review or a star rating i would definitely appreciate it and uh I think we've come to the end. So, Justin, man, thank you once again for uh, for being a guest. Oh, yeah. My, my pleasure. And anytime you need somebody else to just spout off with, I, I will definitely be there and I will continue to listen to you to your podcast as like i said i find it very interesting and and i'm not gonna lie normally it takes me about two hours to mow my yard i have a huge yard i'll download put it on my ipod and i'll listen to it while i'm mowing the yard man and it's it's it it, i kind of catch myself yelling sometimes because i'll disagree with you or a guest or something and i'm like okay calm down they can't hear you but i I really enjoy it and and thank you thank you so much so anyway uh my name is adam sexton this has been an episode of the past and the pending podcast and remember you cannot love and appreciate what you have now if you don't love and appreciate what has come before have you seen your father i think he's in the basement with art he's playing canasta or something Honey? Ray? Art, you had a dream you were going to win the lottery and you blew $500. Oh, oh, I can't believe you're still bringing that up. I had a dream a plane was going to crash, so you took the bus to Las Vegas. If I'd have been on the plane, it would have crashed. And it doesn't matter. This wasn't a dream. This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, look, the world is full of these kind of things. Look at this. Black masses. Mutilations? Mutilations! The incubus, the succubus? I'm telling you, Walter was a human sacrifice. I should have gone to the lake. I should have listened to Carol. I listen to your wife? Who listens to their wife? Listen, you gotta listen to me. You know what the deal is? What we gotta do is we gotta go down to the religious supply store. We gotta get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My oh, cousin Jerry's I'm a priest. He can get us a deal. No, no, we gotta, then we gotta go to the market. I don't, I don't we gotta get ourselves this. a couple I'm of those big strings. You know how they string that garlic? A couple big strings of garlic. We gotta get ourselves some I'm fresh lamb's blood. And then we gotta... Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Ray, you're chanting. Ray, Ray, look. Ray, unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Ray, Ray, you're chanting. Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Stop either. It was 
that Chucky industrial waste too. Hey, you want to fight? The mayor will have authorization. Authorization? How about the United States fucking government? Hey, lose the grid or you lose your job. Central? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Walt uh, down in Nakatomi. Uh, say, listen, uh, would it be possible for you to turn off uh, Grid 212? Are you crazy? Maybe I should call the mayor on this. Hey, no shit, it's my ass. I got a big problem down here. Shut it down. Shut it down now. 